welcome to episode 33, my name 33, I should pronunciate my words. Uh, my name is Liam Bird and this is the Punks in Pubs podcast. I hope you're well and life is good. There's been a lot of punk related stuff going on in the world right now. Uh, good old Ben O'Rourke is running for president and I doesn't Better O'Rourke sounds like a character from Sin City, sounds like he should be the mayor of Sin City, Better O'Rourke. John Lydon? decided to call Marky Ramon a daft cunt, which, A, I like two things out of that. Anyone who knows me, I like the word cunt. I don't find it offensive. I think it's quite a cutting, funny word. It's daft. Daft is such an English word. You daft cunt. Amazing. Also, if you watch the video when that all starts kicking off, in anticipation, you see Henry Rollins whip out his phone in the most sly way and like proper pressed up against him. So he's got the got the frame in case any shit goes down. Um, off the back of that, Krang decides to write an article saying that John, if it wasn't for John Lydon, there would be no punk. Bullshit. And the day I take my musical history lesson from that rag of shit will be the day that I know I need to put down this mic. Also, something that's happened, there's a new podcast that's been launched on Spotify about The Clash, and it's been narrated by Chuck D of Public Enemy. I hadn't had a chance to listen to that yet, but uh, I'm going to listen to that over the weekend. So next episode, I will talk about that podcast, because I love The Clash, and I love Chuck D, and I love Public Enemy, so... I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's called um, it's called Stay Free, the story of the Clash. Go listen to it. I mean, fuck it. We all need more podcasts in our life, don't we? It's not like we've already got a thousand on our phone. But yeah, go listen to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it either, uh, over the weekend as I go up to Manchester. Something else that happened last week, and if you follow the podcast on Twitter, you would have seen that I was cut up about the death of um, Keith Flint. Keith is a man whose name I wrote down on the list when I started this podcast on people I wanted to talk to. Uh, there's only about five people on that list. I've knocked off one of them already with uh, Day King from Flogging Molly. And Keith was on there. And I approached to interview Keith just after Christmas, but I got no reply, which is a shame. Because for me, the Prodigy were probably the last mainstream punk band and i know that sounds weird because they are a dance band or, or techno or however you want to label them but for me they were a punk band they had this crazily energetic guy in keith who looks like what you would deem a punk just jumping around and and singing and snarling and just prowling the stage in his in his manner that he does and I would have loved the opportunity to really talk to Keith and, and understand his his love of the two genres of dance and punk and how going from essentially just a dancer to becoming the frontman of one of the most famous bands in the world. It was devastating when Keith died. If you listen to this podcast a lot, you know that I talk about mental health a lot because it's important to me. I feel that it's not spoken about enough. So whenever I talk to people who are willing to discuss the subject... We talk about it in depth because I feel like the more we talk about it, more normalized it become. So therefore, people like you or me, we feel okay talking about what is essentially a taboo subject, and that's mental health. I don't remember who said this, but someone on social media posted that if Keith could have seen how much love was out there via all the messages on Twitter, he probably wouldn't have died. 
And I do believe there's an element of element of truth in that statement. So if you are feeling low or suicidal, then please do reach out. People do care. I mean, I care. I don't even know you, but I care. Please talk to someone. And people who are doing okay, you have good mental health. It's also up to you to ask those questions to your friend who you, who might have been a little quiet or completely cut themselves from your group of friends. Reach out to them. Just say, just see how they are. Just check in on them because they need to know that they are loved and they need to know that they are not nothing in this world because there's a lot of shit in this world and we need to look after each other. Um, yeah, anyway, let's talk about happier subjects. Let's talk about episode 33. This episode sees me share a glass of cold water with Lee Singer of Culture Shock, Citizen Fish and Subhumans. He is, of course, Dick Lucas. I spoke to Dick last summer in Blackpool where we talked about all manner of things. But in particular, we talked about technology, missing out on reading album sleeves now because obviously everything's digital. Uh, the legend that is John Peel and also balancing objects on top of other objects. If you follow Dick on Instagram, and I you should because he's, he's pretty fun fucking funky on instagram he balances random objects on top of other objects so he's done like golf balls and eggs and it's pretty fucking phenomenal so we talk a little bit about that and of course it's dick lucas we talk about politics and the subhumans culture shock citizens fish as well as that leftover crack split where that's a lot of people probably would have found citizen fish that way don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast because mexican band dresden wolves will play out the show if you like death from above 1979 you will love these guys and i am a big death from above 1979 first album fan so stick around for them anyway before that there is this this is episode 33 with me and dick lucas enjoy Okay, so a little sip of your water. Go for it. Right, the person who just take a swig of my water, and now we both have cuties, is uh, <laughs> Dick Lucas. You will know him as uh, the Subhumans, Citizen Fish, and Culture Shock, and also the man who's probably been asked a thousand times, "How's how's your tour going?" It's but, not a tour. No, I know, but, but I, whenever I talk to musicians, they're always like, "The question I fucking hate is, all right, how's the tour going?" It's the easiest question to answer. You just say, "Yeah, great." Next question. <laughs> Next I mean, question. Move yeah, on. unless you want specific details about the tour that I'm not on, um, then it's very easy to answer. How's the tour going? And why would that not be an obvious question and an easy one to answer? I don't understand why bands can, would complain about that nature of the question. If you're going to do an interview, expect the easiest and hardest questions ever. Okay, so let's carry on that form then. What is the easiest and hardest question you've ever been asked? Wow. Now, see, if I was an interviewer, I would have already known the answer to that, <laughs> but I'm not. So the easiest would be the the fabled what's your favourite colour yeah. and that is not that easy and the hardest 
would be something along the lines of how has punk rock as a genre changed the disposition of the people of the Western world as composed to the eastern part of the planet over the last 15 years compared to the previous 15 years or even the 15 years before that give or take a month or two to get round to an answer answer it now please you know something like that the deep stuff where the isms come in and they talk about anarchy and how has punk changed the world and all that sort of thing which I'm quite prepared for do you think there's too much time has been wasted though and, and, and talking about how punk has changed the world or how what is punk and stuff like that because punk is something completely different to me or you to it's, yeah it's taking a generalisation and trying to nail it down yeah. and that's a pretty hard thing to do yeah. um, punk has changed people's lives and in that much in as much as those people then grow up and have children and pass on their idealisms to their kids in practical ways of like don't do that that's wrong that's wrong um you could say that was down to punk rock because that's perhaps where they got their ideas from. Mm. So to say punk changes nothing is just too nihilistic and jaded because um, all anything connected with good music changes something and usually for the positive. And if you're into punk music, there's a likelihood that at least half the bands you're listening to have actually got something to say in the lyrics um, set to the music you got into before you even thought about the lyrics. Yeah. Um, as people get older, they start to read lyrics a bit more rather than just chanting them or ignoring them. Do you think um, that's changing, though? Because now people don't actually buy physical formatted products. They, they'll download it. So, therefore, anything that was written in the sleeves that used to have a message... They're missing now, that. Yeah. Yeah. They can search for it and find it. And you can upload, like, a PDF of lyrics or the background stuff that was on the inner sleeve of the record at the time when it came out uh, to go along with the download. Um, as much as I hate technology and the nature of downloads being so non-dimensional... It's like it's there, better deal with it because a lot of people do like their stuff to be instantly portable and listenable on their phones or whatever. I mean, I'm sat in front of me and I've got my iPad with yeah. my notes on there, so I mean, it is just easier. Yeah, than you don't have to love iPad. it, but it's quite useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a love hate relationship with your phone then because everyone's attached to their phone? And- um, yeah, it's really useful. I can check emails wherever, I can answer things quicker than having to wait until I get back home at the end of a tour to, in order to do things. Yeah. Yeah, it's also going to be pretty crazy if I ever lose it. So best not to lose it. So it becomes my most essential piece of possession. And yeah. therefore, am I controlling it or is it controlling me? The usual <laughs> thing like that. Um, but it's way handier than, say, uh, look at an A to Z of London and not quite sure where the gig is and, like, who do we phone up? And they're not on the phone because they're not answering it. And where's the gig and where do we park? And all that. you just, like, yeah. look at Google Maps or whatever. It's made a lot of things a lot easier and yeah. easier to organise gigs. Um, and that sort of thing, yeah. I mean, as a band, just having Google Maps, like like you said, like just travelling, because obviously you're going from maybe Bristol to, I don't know, somewhere in Wales, and that going through the valleys and actually going, oh, we actually know where we're going, our phone's telling us, rather than map out. Is it this street? Is it that yeah. little pathway there? I mean, we played, um, this is years back before, this stuff it was invented, um, Culture Shock were playing in Holland, we woke up, it's like, where's the next gig? It's in... Um, forgets name entire anecdote ruined um <laughs> homburg in germany yes with an o homburg and um so we looked at a map where is it ah there, there it is so we set off with plenty of time a you know, two-hour drive piece of cake get there can't find the youth center can't find the street name where the youth center is supposed to be somebody says well there isn't a youth center and it's like hang on how many homburgs are there get out big atlas it's like oh there's one over here get out the letter that we had in the first place read it properly it's like Ah, okay, it's this one over here, 100 miles away, wherever it is. We get there, the show's finished, 
were too late. On the way there, we blew the engine up. But it was a total <laughs> chaos because we didn't have something as useful as a fucking, um, what they call, a GPS, yeah, or Google Maps or yeah. whatever. Um, so, yeah, it can help. I mean, something, my, my first question I actually had in my notes was talking, we, we again are talking about technology, but it's kind of interlinks with, I read an interview when I was researching to do this, to do this interview about a kid in L.A., who, you, who interviewed you, and he said he sent you a letter when he was younger. Right. And you, you felt, in the interview, I mean, you take what you read, so that you put your own kind of connotation on it, but it sounded like you were kind of like, that's really sweet, like, the, that, that meant something to you, and you replied. That idea of, like, penmanship, is that something you miss? Like, do you like the idea of receiving a letter? Because um, it's now gone, and it's an email. It was a email. relationship with letters, because sometimes the very amount of them would be just an overwhelming burden and they had to be cleared because I really wanted to answer all the letters I got and eternal apologies to people who never got a reply because there was a bulk left over um, when it all became emails and stuff but yeah I like writing back it was like oh no not more letters so like, you get into it you say okay right let's have a look read this properly have a think and write something back and then you can go off on tangents and um, you can doodle on it. You can draw things. Yeah. You can do things. You, do things. you can't do with emails. There's no personality in emails whatsoever. Um, so, yeah. And the, the fact is people remember letters and they don't particularly remember individual emails they got because it, they look all the same. Mm. Whereas a letter, it got to the point I could tell who a letter was from because of the handwriting on the envelope. People who, who write quite often, you know. So it, you became more connected to these people even though you never met them. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. So we are going to talk about the bands, but I want to talk about kind of the, the music that gets you going what's the what's the thing that kind of gets you uh your your, your i was about to say your ass shaking but i realize that's <laughs> completely not to do that sort of thing <laughs> so what so i mean we're at the festival so we should probably talk about rebellion have you, have you, do you go and check new music or do you go to the bands that you know are good i mean what's the bands that you've written that you've it's seen mixture, this weekend really. it's a mixture um, firstly bands that I want to see playing they're normally either playing when I'm playing or they're playing at the same time as another band I want to see uh, saw Ruts DC last night um, but we did have a spare moment to wander about I think it was Thursday and catch a few bands and we saw I'm really bad at names um, damn it because of C and I can't remember what they're called that's really annoying they were young and really playing some really good style punk rock this is not giving anyone a clue because the whole place <laughs> is full of good style punk rock isn't it um but on the, the big emperor, em, emperor stage, or...? No, no, they were on the pavilion. Oh, OK. Um, we caught the end of their set. Yeah. And then we, when we bumped into the end of the Idols set, which everybody said was, like, interesting, crazy, weird, odd, definitely unique, and I thought, oh, sounds like I've missed something really good. They're really good. They're, they've been on the pod before, and they're, they're an interesting... Right. Like, for me, they're probably my most... Like my the new English punk band, they're the kind of the ones that I'm looking at, going, are oh, they gonna? They're definitely gonna start getting a commercial success and be success within the actual punk community for enjoying what they're trying to do and doing right. a different message and stuff like that. So yeah, if you do get a chance, definitely yeah. check out Idols. Uh, top tip there. Um, so what about <laughs> like when you were younger? What was the music that you enjoyed when you were younger? Because you were in a position where about punk wasn't really. A thing. It, it was wasn't there until I was yeah. sixteen. So, so what was the things that you were listening to when you were young? What were the Before things I was that you sixteen? Um, David Bowie, round about the sort of Ziggy Stardust bit, yeah. um, Black Sabbath, um, occasional pop songs that I liked. You know, Waterloo by ABBA was a 
really good song and I've had to turn over 50 to be able to admit that sort of thing so you caught me just in time so what was it not about? much really I mean what was it about David Bowie and Black Sabbath I like mm. uh, probably the heavy bits I mean punk rock came along and suddenly wow somebody's put all the heavy bits all the good bits into a, a two and a half minute single it's like that's a good idea oh no look they're singing about as in this case bored teenagers it was the adverts first yep. single bored teenagers like, that's like appropriate and it's not singing about ethereal nonsense or whatever you know Iron Man or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. punk rock musically was great because it just condensed all the stuff you liked before was all the sharp and heavy and angular bits into one song and um, just made more sense I mean, you grew up in a small town called Trowbridge? Trowbridge? Melksham. Melksham. Where's yeah. Melksham now? Melksham was part of the um, Melksham, Trowbridge, Warminster uh, punk rock triangle on the uh, western edge of Wiltshire, so to speak. Me and my brother were in a band called The Mental, and over in Warminster, Bruce and Julian and Grant were in a band called The Stupid Humans, and we met up with them at an Angelic Upstarts gig in Trowbridge, um, which is like b- b- midway between the two so a lot of punks would go to Trowbridge to the pubs and that yeah. of a weekend or weekday whichever and um, met up with them uh, at the Upstarts gig it's like you in a band yeah of course I am you in a band yeah of course I am everyone was in a band it was like ridiculous went to see them practice they split up the mental split up we reformed the subhumans that same summer so yeah I mean there was hardly any gigs yeah. going on so it was one going on everybody went so when was the first time that you started seeing what would become punk creeping into like your surroundings like was it you first saw someone on Mohawk and you're like what's that about then you discovered music or was it you discovered music and then you discovered like fashion ended up becoming a huge part of what basically punk yeah it was definitely heard of music before I started seeing the punks wandering around the streets yeah. of Melkshire which is a very small town and nothing happens there and it's not famous for anything yeah it's just the music it was uh, John Peel and um, Alan Freeman on the radio yes playing punk rock yeah as all good DJs should and um, but they were the ones who started playing it first and it was like yeah I was listening to that they started buying sounds and NME the music papers and um, avidly read them of a Thursday afternoon and then go to Trowbridge and there was a disco going on and there was a punk rock section for a quarter of an hour and you could bring your own tapes along and they might play a track off it and that sort of thing so what was it about the music then that, that kind of grabbed you what was the thing that played? it was the instancy the anger the playfulness the speed of it mm and the basic simplicity of it and the notion that anyone can do this which is why I got a band like The Mental together really and we were awful by comparison and with hindsight yeah. and we were awful at the time as well <laughs> come to think of it um, but you know we did 10 gigs made one single John Peel played it which is nice then split up and then it was like Subhumans I mean this podcast is probably 
I'm lucky in the fact that this podcast is quite big in America and it's doing okay over here as well. So people who don't know who John Peel is, John Peel is a legendary broadcaster who used to work on BBC Radio 1 and he is the man who probably gave the world um, like the damn the clash subhumans like uh, Ruts who you spoke about earlier on like these bands probably wouldn't have the there would have I mean who am I to say that they wouldn't have got as big or as commercial as, as they would have if it wasn't for John Peel but John Peel is definitely a man who um, should be spoken as a, a legend gets thrown around a lot but yeah, he a bit is of a legend to the guy. Yeah. he introduced not just punk rock but almost every variation of alternative music you can think of yeah. he was playing it first that's where you would send your single to was John Peel you had the best chance of any DJ on any commercial radio mainstream radio to play music that was different um, he did the same with say Alfie and Donna and Uptown Top Ranking mm. which then went to like number two in the charts or something and then suddenly it was like whoop like this was people started taking an interest in female musicians more and reggae more at the same time as a direct result of that some of his his discoveries so to speak snowball completely did you get the opportunity to talk to John like did you ever have any moments no, with him um, he did send a postcard because we wanted to do a, a session he did band sessions yes he'd have them in the studio in Maida Vale in London uh, you play about four songs um, with as minimal mixing and overdubs as possible keep it sort of live feeling and um, so we asked if we could do them when Just For Cradle To The Grave came out and he said he was into it but his producer John Walters I think his name was he wasn't into it didn't explain why but that was as close as we got that's true. this is not an advert 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 I know there's adverts everywhere it's even on the clothes you wear Until you start so unaffected It's all this anger misdirected Relate the logo on the t-shirt I know you're just a walking advert Do you really care what I'm raging? Sweat your workers underpaid This is not an advert This is not an advert what was your first punk show? What was that like? And and can you remember? And also, can you remember like because punk at that time was known for being a bit tasty, so to speak. Like it had its confrontation. You had the skins. You had the mobs. And it was like a melting pot of people discovering new music. Like, can you remember the first time you walked into a gig and you you just witnessed with this kind of tribalism and then also the noise that's coming from the stage? Uh, not as a a clear cut memory as that. I mean, the yeah. first gig we ever did with the mental was in a, a church hall in Winchester and I think 20 people turned up to watch it uh, we were very chaotic there was no stage it was a mess um, but I couldn't, have, couldn't make any generalisations about what the punk scene was like from that there were danger points in certain places in London that you would play once and then not go back there because there was a certain amount of really nasty looking skinheads who were there to start fights with the punks because just for fun yeah. there was one place called Skunks in London, which is supposed to be like skinheads and punks, ideally to unite them, but there was a few skinheads there who didn't want to be united with anybody, not even the other skinheads, you know. <laughs> there, was, yeah, there were hot spots that you tried to avoid, but we're not a band who's sung in any sense being um, ambiguous about violence. Mm. Uh, we don't see any fun in violence. There's no sort of, yeah, we're, we're, the kids are united in the sense of we go and beat people up and be tough and use our fists and our boots to make our point yeah because like we're not like that we don't fight you know we would lose in a fight because we don't fight we're not like that it's like 
loads of people are not like that obviously I'm not showing off anything in particular here it's just that if there's going to be trouble we'll fucking avoid it we're not there to confront trouble with any more than ideas and words and we prefer people just to get on obviously and we'll like make the point and try to stop people fighting if we see it which, which can happen there is a certain power of a microphone coming from the stage into the crowd but whereas other bands the nature of their music perhaps or the the fact they don't make their point very clear enough if they start attracting right-wing skins to their gigs they're going to be stuck with them unless they say something against it or they yeah. deny them completely which um some bands unfortunately never learned the lesson of and they quite like the fact they got a hardcore crowd as they call it and they don't see anything wrong with it that is finally starting to just like disappear a bit out of the scene and, and you know, rebellion is actually quite a good place to notice these uh value things progressing or otherwise yeah definitely and, and i feel something that i haven't been to rebellion in years and something that i noticed the difference was a the amount of women who are actually on the bill which is fantastic and also the amount of people actually using the power of their mic to speak their own minds to the, yeah. to the audience which i feel is important i know some people feel like you're here to entertain us we don't need to hear about your politics we, we just don't have a good time but i feel it is people's responsibility if you do have the power of the mic and you have the luxury of people willing to listen to you you should put Use your space voice. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean twitter now is probably the the, the obvious space where best people with political views are being shot down and just like Gary Lineker for instance is one who is very Gary Lineker is an English footballer for people who don't know who is a commentator on a, on a football programme but he speaks quite politically on Twitter and everyone shoots him down by saying you're a fucking pundit just shut up don't talk about politics stick to your day job right so who is supposed to talk about politics nobody who's in the public domain yeah. apparently apart yeah. from politicians yeah. and they don't talk about it <laughs> because don't. to be clear you know they're being clear and so oh, no, let's not even start actually talking about politics because it would go on forever well it's well, later in my questions so yeah, <laughs> we can we'll yeah. go about politics <laughs> later on but let's, let's talk about actually the subhuman so the, um, the day that the country died uh, is probably the way that people find their way into the subhumans and your back catalogue I mean for me it was um, it's all gone dead that, that was a song that someone played to me and I was like who the fuck is this and then they explained who it is and then I, I, I found my way into your world that way um, I mean how long was it after that album was released till you realised we've actually got an album that in my point of view is an album that every single punk fan should have in their collection like, did, did, like, was it five years ten years you still don't recognise it or, I mean um, well we knew it was popular and liked a lot because it sold like 10,000 in like a month of coming out which is like what it was freaky. We were getting royalty checks for like a thousand quid each. I, you know, I quit my job at that point. That's yeah. it. I'm never working again. He's like, Dad, I got a thousand quid. He's like, I've just quit work. He said, Yeah, I thought you might. It's like, Fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, it was just like, uh huh. Can't yeah. believe it. I mean, we put out three EPs before that and then um, did that on a shoestring budget. Took four days, pretty badly mixed, whatever. Yeah, it went flying out. Or we've like paid no more than three pounds. 25 on the front cover so yeah we're, we're well chuffed with that in ranking its importance to people that's not the sort of thing we do really it's just it, it turns out that it's become a bit of an iconic front cover for people to stick on their jackets or t-shirts um, and a lot of people like the songs on that record I ain't complaining it's, I mean, it's still quite surprising though yeah. that this is like you know 30 years later so when, with those that you spoke about artwork like 
with with those prints I mean who has the royalties to that was it someone you did yourself was it something that you sketched yourself or was it something that you just found and you just threw on neither it was a chap called Nick Lant who wrote a letter um, asking for just any basic info gig dates or whatever for the subhumans and at the bottom of the letter he just happened to draw uh, a one and a half inch square drawing of a punk rocker's head I thought wow that's neat all like dots like really intricate detail um, we were stuck for a cover for Religious Wars. Yeah. So I said, bit cheeky, but like, here's some lyrics. Could you do a cover for this? Because your art is amazing. Thought, oh, well, that's, there goes that. And then, like, two weeks later, the front cover of Religious Wars comes in the post. It's like, woo, wow. So based on that, we said, do you want to do Daily Country Died based on the song Black and White? That's the last line of it. And, um, yeah, he took about six weeks over that. And he was on the phone. He said, I'm doing this. Would you prefer it this way or that way? And it's, but... Generally, yeah, he just made it up out of his head and drew it really well. Um, then he he vanished. He did um, he did um, the cover of Rats in 1985. A couple of years later, then um, that was it. Yeah. He sort of disappeared. I've heard rumours that he joined the police, okay, but yeah. no one's really confirmed that. So it's a bit of a weird rumour. <laughs> Maybe we'll see him one day. A bit of a really weird rumour, actually. But never mind. On the back of the head, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you toured with some great bands. What what for you? Have, was the band that kind of took you under their wing? Was there a um, band? Flux of Pink Indians gave us our first gigs outside of our local area um, in 1981. Um, we played Nottingham and shum, a couple of gigs in London. Actually, we did a little mini tour of London, which was quite hard to do. These did like four gigs in London, back-to-back, yeah. in different pubs. But yeah, they were a great band. I mean, they, they put out the, the Daily Country Died on their label, uh, Spiderleg in the first place so yeah we're well connected with them mm. so how much of the time were you listening to because during the 80s American punk had now changed to hardcore Black Flag Minor Threat and that kind of music was that were you hearing any of that was that influenced you in any way or when you went over to America did you start listening and hearing that kind of music and did it influence you in any way we started hearing it when we went to America we went there once in 84 and once in 85 and toured with Scream in 85 they're amazing um, yeah, we were hearing it. Minor Threat, excellent band. Yeah. Um, Dead Kennedys, of course. Uh, Frightwig, Red Scare, MDC, and so on. Yeah. So what what did you take from them though? Because I they're, they're I feel like the ethics of bands in America is just play, 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 play. Where in the UK we're not big enough, so you can't really just keep playing all the time because you just run out of venues. Whereas in America, they'll they'll go off for a month and probably yeah. play like the. There's West a nearly coast. limitless supply of venues and towns in America because yeah. it's that big. What do we take from them? I don't know. Just um, it's just interesting to see how they did it. Um, there was way more hardcore. Yeah. I mean, apart from bands like Discharge and Napalm Death, the what I would call more musical hardcore was the American version of it, and then later on it became even more musical with Bad Religion and so on. I mean, these are all labels. And once yeah. you start pigeonholing things a bit too much, then you start like getting people wound up a bit. What about other bands who um, you saw and went, oh, they're going to be massive, and they never, they just kind of stored and never really progressed as much as you, you thought they would? Operation Ivy could have been enormous, but they actually saw that coming and chose to opt out before it got, became enormous. It would have been great for a few more Operation Ivy records. Yeah. Um, maybe they made the right choice who knows some bands they, they carry on and then they just sort of what's that you know, they, all, they just went all wet and new wave and, or whatever and then 
went full on commercial and just lost all respect really so what was it about Operation Irie that you really liked then I just raw manic ska punk I mean they were mixing ska with punk it wasn't one or the other it was just like let's do both and just really raw tight energetic and you could not help but just move around to it have you ever met Tim in any way a couple times before Rancid went enormous Um, yeah nice chap friends of people we know in the Oakland area yeah in California and um, we got quite a lot of connection with people in Oakland because like uh, Pete the roadie married Paula she was from Oakland and people from Oakland met people in Bremen and Bath we, we started at this festival the Bob Festival which was like Bremen, Oakland and Bath B.O.B. and every year well nowadays it's every two years we gather together in one of those three cities and uh, just basically have a week long party with bands playing from all of those places or even just connected to the people yeah. from those places it's quite a neat idea I mean why is it about that, that region of the world whereabouts it has it seems to me have a real community feel for their, for their music it seems to be that it's part of like a town whereas in the UK we don't really have that I mean Blackpool has it now when it lasts for like four days but then it disappears like we don't seem to have a town or a city that really embraces the musical stylings that some of the suburbs of California really have. That's impossible to answer, isn't it? Without going around the whole lot and doing actual deep surveys <laughs> on where everybody here has come from and where the strongest so-called scene is. Um, I mean, you've toured all over the country, though, so... Well, yeah, but if you tour all over the country and you play Leicester on a Tuesday, you'll get, like, 40 people. We play Leicester on a... Saturday, you might get 200. But you would have played Leicester on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday over your time, so... Yeah. There must be... And we've got about 40 people. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's based on reality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It depends on the weather, how much, you know, when the the people get their dole money, um, whether they've seen us before. Yeah. And these days, whether their kids are saying, let's go see the subhumans. Dad, you used to like this, you know. (laughs) It's Father's Day, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, it's impossible to say. I mean, say you, you you can play a good show in, say, Leeds... But does that have a bearing on how good the scene in Leeds is, generally? Yeah, fair point. It might do. But you can go back to Leeds like the next time, it won't be as good. Yeah. Is that down to the promotion, the venue, the promoters, the weather, or the actual scene? Mm. And then you just, you just start to wonder what the word scene means. I mean, if you've got like 20 fanzines coming out of one place, it's going to be pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't too sure if you, you finished then. I was about to... I'm still thinking quietly, which is great for radio and it's podcasts, perfect. isn't it? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's the psychic bit. Straight to the fiction, there's no contradiction. There's no song new as an instant view. Day in, day out, see the head stretch out for the headline brand. I'm in a Subhumans split in 85 to 86 yeah. and reformed again in 98. Yeah. Why split and then what made you get back together? Well, what was it that you wanted to do with it? Right, well, we split up because we couldn't really decide where we were going. And um, Bruce wanted to progress the music into a sort of more rocky area. I really didn't want to do that. Uh, Discharger tried that with their Crowds of the Grave album, whatever it was called. Um, 
and I just thought we were doing fine uh, on a sort of slow, slowly rising trajectory. Nothing was getting too bad. Worse, it, we weren't going to go mega anywhere. Yeah. Um, it was just going nicely along. I thought we were doing great, but there was just a, a feeling of dissatisfaction with the way it was going, like it was getting too repetitive and that sort of thing. And then we sort of did three three gigs, which like the, turned out to be the last gigs, um, and then sort of, we'll take a break. Didn't really discuss what would happen after the break. And in that break, I was invited to sing for Culture Shock, or what became Culture Shock. And then that took off, so the subby was never really started up again. And it was just left hanging in the air or whatever. Um, then I think it was Trotsky and Phil suggested to me and Bruce that around about 97 or 98 that why don't we have a go at doing subhumans again? Because we, you know, we're still selling loads of records. There's loads of people who've never seen us play live. Okay, give it a shot, see what it feels like. And it felt amazing. It was just like there was hardly any revision needed. It just all bumped straight back. It was like it was a knockout. So we did one gig and it was like, whoa. And then we did a lot more. And then we thought, well, let's just keep going. So what why would did you when you when you left um, the subhumans, why did you decide to change the sound to a more of a reggae scar feel with the Not bands? my decision. I mean no? I'm, I'm just a singer. Um Cold Shock was basically Nigel, who is in another local band, the A-Eds, who are still going. Uh, Bill was drumming for another Wiltshire band, Organised Chaos. Uh, A-Eds and Organised Chaos also kind of split up at the same time. Uh, they all live near each other. So they were jamming with a friend of Nigel's called Paul up from Devon, uh, who had these amazing bass lines, and they needed a singer, and I was not doing much. So they asked me to join in, and um, we just jammed until we had songs, and it carried on. I mean, um, the choice, I was really excited to sing along to ska slash reggae slash punk music because there's suddenly all this space to sing in. Yeah. It wasn't so regulated for beat quickly, get us all the syllables into one line as fast as possible. It was like, you could put all the syllables into the line. As me-. Like that, not quite as Frank Sinatra as that, but <laughs> you know what I mean. There's more space to sing and actual, actually dance rather than twitch. When that, when that sound came out, obviously you had the specials, you had the beat, you had those kind of bands beforehand. Were you influenced by them? Like, would, Absolutely. Would you watch yeah. them? Like, cause I, from, so it was like subliminal almost. Mm. It wasn't like I was going out buying loads of specials records or anything like that, but you'd hear them and they were good. And even at the age of like 17 or 18, you uh, mods suck, two-tone sucks. Because you're a punk rocker, that's what you do when you're 17. It's like you've got your divisions sorted out. I'm part of this block. Everything else is shit. Let's just... But it's, it's subliminal. It gets in your head. And, of course, like, Gangsters and um, Too Much Pressure and all that, just, like, fucking great songs. Mm. But you would dare not admit it until you actually start to, like, get a bit older. This is my naivety then. Because I always thought the punks and the ska, like, that kind of embraced. Like, there, there was an embrace between the music because it was mixing, both, like you kind of said, with Up Ivy, they were mixing both, like, sounds. Was that not the case then at the time? Did you not feel that? Did you not feel that the punks were, like... This is, like, this is not like really no. fast, but it was like something you've danced to, you can skate Nobody was to. really taking, putting Scar into punk rock. I mean, bands were messing around with like reggae and punk rock, or not even messing around, doing it really well, like The Clash. But no one did the Scar punk thing until, dare I say, Cold Shock and or Operation Ivy, um, as far as I know. Bad Brains came close. But yeah, it generally wasn't a done thing. So what about Citizen Fish then? Because obviously that became uh, a band that's probably known as your second band after Subhumans. Well, Cold Shock split up, and me and Jasper, who was in Cold Shock then, said, right, let's form a ska band, proper ska band. Let's do it. 
that didn't work out and we, it mixed up with punk in the same way as Cold Shot did um, but slightly more punky perhaps it's hard to tell what the difference was and then we had Larry on guitar then we had Phil who was in the subhumans on guitar we had Chosky in the subhumans on the drums but it didn't sound like the subhumans so and a lot of the posters were saying Citizen Fish X subhumans and a lot of people thought right this will be subhumans mark 2 and it really wasn't <laughs> it was much like well lighter music you know the sentiments, sen- sentiments were all there but musically, it was like a lot of ska stuff, and a lot of punks at the time really hated ska mixed in with their punk rock. Yeah, um, that's their choice. So when you did a split with Leftover Crack, a long time later on, we did a split with yeah. Leftover Crack. Yeah. Um, by that point, we were sticking brass in it as well, which really helped define it as not just slightly sounding like one previous band or the other. Now we actually had our own real sound, I think. And uh, Sturgeon had left over crack. He was much influenced by seeing Sits of Fish when we played in California, and he was there at the same gig in Gilmer Street, it was in Berkeley. Um, so he wanted to do something with us because he liked us and he liked the ideas and that. Uh, that worked pretty well. We were on tour with him a couple of times. Leftover Crack for me are one of the best DIY punk bands yeah. in America. I, 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 I love every, I really enjoy their sound, and, I, and I've had the pleasure of meeting. Skizzer and interviewing him and he's an interesting character and he's quite intense at times how did you find him as a person did you get on okay with him yeah on his own terms of what mood he was in yeah. if you see what I mean but yeah he could be really soul searching and uh, he could be really happy he could be full of memories and full of imagination and he could be really really like pissed off at nothing whatsoever and a prima donna and just like saying no to things based on some whim um, it could be really really drunk and out of it it could be insulting and offensive um, but he could also be honest and apologetic in the next day or the next five minutes or whatever so you didn't quite know where, what, how the conversation was going to go but um, on a broader sense he wasn't, uh, he wasn't nasty or evil or any of the ists you know, he wasn't racist, sexist he wasn't pro-violent or anything anything you know some people drink they get violent or stupid he didn't really get violent or stupid he just got like really um, open and and confused in his speech uh, but sometimes really quite lucid Mm. like he would come up with stuff that's like whoa Chairman Mao not Chairman Mao Um, who's a philosopher chap that isn't Chairman Mao how the fuck did he get in Confucius yeah yeah I got Confucius Um, yeah, he's a he's a character to be sure. Definitely. Um, oh, I like him. He's a good guy. He is yeah. a good guy. Uh, but like you said, my meetings with him was one when he was completely out of it, and I couldn't do the interview with him. And then I'm be arranged the next day, and he just apologised. Say hello. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, so Liam, this is Michelle. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. You might enjoy this. About to talk about politics. So hey. Yeah. You're synonymous with politics, through your lyrics and through your music. So let's talk a little politics. Are you now more angrier, more disappointed with the world now, or when you were younger? Um, the nature of the anger is, is, has changed. Yeah. Because now my anger is more informed, and I'm angrier now because I'm more informed. And there's more to be angry about, especially in the last couple of years. 
uh, just when you thought everything was going relatively okay, you knew who all your enemies were. It was all kind of like mapped out quite clearly. There are a lot of things wrong. The press is wrong, the TV is wrong, politicians are wrong, uh, pollution is wrong, sexism is wrong, racism is wrong, uh, the, the right wing is wrong, the left wing is more right than wrong and more correct than wrong, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, then suddenly you got like Brexit and Trump all crashing in in 2016 and now suddenly the press may be wrong but they're way less wrong than Trump is saying it's all fake news. Suddenly you're on the side of the press and if you thought that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was just a fucking right-wing ideologue idiot who can string his sentences together, when he slags off Trump and Trump slags him off, you're on Arnie's side. Yeah. So suddenly your old enemies have become your sort of you agree, you're agreeing with them because you've got a much, much bigger enemy out there trying to squash down on free speech, free movement, immigration, all this fucking racist, sexist, fascist bullshit coming out. And it's public and it's daily and it's changing on a daily basis and it's non-stop. We were on tour in America this year and of all, you'd think it'd be a major conversation, but only two people talked to me about how they were feeling about Trump and they, their two biggest feelings were anger and confusion. And not quite knowing what to do, because on a daily basis they were getting more lies and more disinformation coming from Trump, being reported through media channels that they, up to that point, had not been trusted to be completely true, because they were the media, right? You don't trust the media, you trust people. Uh, but now you have to start trusting the mainstream media, because once they get closed down, then no one's going to know what the hell's going on. It's a weird place we're in now. It is. It is a weird place. And just... So, as opposed to earlier anger, which is all based on being... Uh, paranoid resentful and antisocial, but mostly paranoid uh, thrown in with a few facts that somebody chucked into a few lyrics in our scene we're meant to be seen as a kind of a liberal thinking progressive punk scene everyone's included but yet recently we've seen to have punks your old label mate on lockout joe queer he's he's come out and supported the police officer who killed an unarmed black child um you, you've really? got yeah you right. got a lot of shit for that and then also you got a guy who's being interviewed right now, John Lydon, who comes out and talks about his his support for Brexit and his support for Trump. Really? Yeah. Are you not disappointed? Like, is, is this like... Really? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, but, I am now disappointed. It's official. Jeez. It's good not to have heroes, but Johnny Ron approaches someone you've got respect for because he's started so much off, you know? Yeah. So he supports Trump. Allegedly, that's what he's done Allegedly. in several. So he did it in. Uh, he did it on an interview with uh, Piers Morgan. Uh, he also did it on Newsnight. He spoke about his admiration for him for the working class. Is the way that he would phrase it. He said that the working class have finally got a person who's speaking up for them. Well, that was that was the mythology that he got voted for, got voted in by in the first place. He was saying that he was on the side of the working class. He wanted to improve the condition in places like Pittsburgh, where industry's been ground down to a halt over the last twenty years. And you can see his point, it's a good point to make. But has he come up with anything that's done any good for the people of Pittsburgh, for instance? He's introduced a whole bunch of tariffs that's going to like up the cost of everything, um, flatten down the wages, and get loads of people sacked because they can't afford to have the jobs because they can't sell the steel and so on. And this occurs with agriculture and all sorts of other industries at the same time. So he's shitting on the workers. Yeah. Completely. But, but where is that person now? Where is that person in punk rock? Who who is got the, the the pedestal of John Lydon? Who's speaking out? There isn't anyone. I don't really see. Do you mean quite in terms of having mainstream media having a megaphone coverage? Yeah, like we're well, not even a coverage. Just having just Reading and Leeds Festival. Let's say that it's probably the, one of the biggest festivals going on in the UK. There's punk bands who play there, 
but I haven't seen over the past two years I haven't seen anyone stand up and go what the fuck is this so let's say uh, Bad Religion Bad Religion recently did a song called The Kids Aren't Alright but why aren't they screaming why aren't they shouting why aren't they really using the weight that they've got and their connections to the media why aren't they doing that this is obviously a question for them it is but, but a general question why as is a person a in the Trump? community yeah. what, they, you must have an opinion away from your musician just as a person like do you wish that our scene was doing more or do you think we're doing what we can well probably both we're doing what we can but we could do more at the same time I mean there was a rock against racism in the early 80s that attracted a whole bunch of people not just punks at all but mm. it was founded on music and protest um, yeah I agree there is not enough musical protest going on right now that's getting the media attention but the media attention is for better or worse more focused on the actuality and the politics um, and the protest is out there and it's not just now um, it doesn't have to come through music anymore to be noticed I mean it's all over the internet and it's all over on alternative news sources the lies and the reasons to be angry are in our face on the headlines in the national mainstream media across the planet on a daily basis because it's coming live through tweets and that from the fucking president so wow yeah you need more protests but there already is a shitload of protests going on. I mean, the marches over in America throughout a whole bunch of cities um, have more people on them that's marched against anything since, I don't know what, really, since the Vietnam War, probably. Let's talk about something a bit more lighthearted. Let's, let's get our blood sugar down. Trees, fish, okay. <laughs> let's talk about balancing stuff. You, okay. You, you, <laughs> you, your Instagram account is just full of you balancing stuff. So like an egg on a cup or a bottle of bananas. A bottle of bananas. A bunch of bananas on a bottle. Where, yeah. where did this start and why did you start doing it? And when did you decide, I'm going to do an Instagram account of this? Right. Um, well, this started... Uh, very occasional things on various beaches where there's like rocks that could be put on top of each other stacked and that sort of thing uh, but that wasn't much and then it did look good though it felt good doing it and getting it and then we stayed at um, a friend's place up near uh, wherever it is in no- Northamptonshire um, Trina and Bambi's place that was it and um, he had this thing we had a, a matchstick connected to a fork and a spoon a fork and a spoon being jammed together and you get a matchstick in between those two jammy bits. So you end up actually on the edge of a glass. And because the fork and spoon go at a certain angle, the centre of gravity is slightly beyond where the matchstick is. So it's 
the whole thing hangs there on the end of glass. It looks impossible, but it's all down to the placement of the centre of gravity. And I got really kicked off by that, and I thought, right. And then just like loads more balancing things, uh, especially rocks, and then you just move to anything that's lying around the house, like eggs and bananas and teapots, um, cheese graters, spatulas, whatever. <laughs> You're waiting for some, waiting for a kettle to boil. Um, whatever, just find something trying to balance on eggs and it's like ooh you get two eggs one egg on top of another it's like yes and once I got egg on top of egg on top of egg to be fair that was like pretty damn momentous I should just stop there really <laughs> you can't top it you can't do four eggs but there's Instagram because these things are not going to stay there forever in fact most of them fall over within a minute or five as soon as you've balanced them they will be unbalanced because you need them to cook in or whatever or you're going to eat the actual fucking egg um so you need to take a photo best thing to do with photographs is to stick them on something like Instagram where people see them if people don't see photos they're not even worth having so the whole I, that's why I, I kind of like Instagram for that it's more visual any other social media I mean not on Facebook and that because it's just too much hierarchies and bullshit going on and they spying on your ass and they own Instagram whatever I'm a confused person um <laughs> Then you see other people balancing stuff. It's really inspiring. There's one guy who balanced four pool balls on top of each other. Not like just two, which would be pretty hard. Or three, which is like, what? But four. And there's a photograph of it. It's like, yeah, I believe it. Because if you're balancing stuff, you don't go in for faking the picture of it. Because mm. where's the honesty in that? So is it like the, the sense of achievement you enjoy? Absolutely. It it's, the... it's that fucking zen moment where you've reached that point And it's, it's, it's a minute, half, more, less than a millimetre between balance and unbalance. Yeah. And it doesn't always, it's not always going to work. Some things just are never going to balance. Like, I could put that on there, and that is probably never going to balance. This is a plastic glass on a spectacles case. And that is like, we could just sit here watching that for ages, and it probably wouldn't work, and it'd be dull to look at, so fuck it. <laughs> but other things, you've just got a sense they are, this will work. There is a space. If you get a triangulation point where there's three or more places that an edge or a corner can fit into there is a centre of gravity in that where yeah. there's more balance you've got to balance more than just two not a straight line more than that making no sense is it do you have people send you pictures of what they've done balancing things no. Balancing? no no maybe we should start get people sending you stuff they've done people have recommended things on Instagram to me via Instagram yeah I think I might be interested in it yeah that happens yeah 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 Okay, I mean, let's, we're coming up to 50 minutes now, so let's wrap this up. So, I mean, moving forward, politically maybe shit, but as, as the band Subhuman Citizen Fish, um, what's coming forward? What can we expect? Is there anything? Because you, you, I know you guys are all scattered all over, aren't you? Um, so yeah, well, getting you together know, is coming quite hard. Subhuman's drummer Trotsky lives in Germany, so Subhuman's practicing is like a one annual thing, you know. It doesn't happen very often. We have got about six or seven new songs most of them are completely worked out some are not uh, but that's heading towards some sort of release as soon as we get another six songs worked out it could take a while so don't hold your breath but they'll be good when it comes out um, Culture Shock could put out another CD or maybe vinyl release we've got about six new songs on that and a couple of live songs and a, a couple of dub versions um, so that's good Sit Fish haven't really done much in the way of practicing or even gigging uh, over the last year because like um until recently as at least out of the six of us at least a third of us were too busy working to go on tour much um, so it's been it's ground it's been on the sea bed so to speak half asleep for a while although as we found last night when we all wake up and get on stage and get off the sea bed it's jolly good fun 
and it's all it's all still there. Yeah. So yeah, it's not stopped yet. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Dick, for your time, man. And, ah, thank uh, you. I, I wish you all the best, and I, I hope to see you around too. Thanks. Cheers, man. Cheers. Mickey Mouse is dead. Got kicked in the head because people got too serious. They planned out what they said. They couldn't take the fantasy. Tried to accept reality. Analyze the laughs because pleasure comes in halves. The purity of comedy. They have to take it seriously. Change the words around. Try to make it look profound. The comedian is on stage. It's taken for a wage. The critics think he's great, but the laughter turns to hate. Thank you to Dick for giving up his time. Dick and the Subhumans will be playing at the Manchester Punk Festival. That's going on from the 19th to the 21st of April. Go get your tickets at manchesterpunkfestival.co.uk. Let's do this. Go get your t-shirts. They're only £15. They help fund the podcast. You can go pick them up on Etsy or drop me an email, punksinpubs at gmail, and I will sort you out. Follow the podcast on all the socials at punksinpubs. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And go and rate and review. It helps. It helps the podcast. And also tell your mates about the pod. Playing at the show this week are a band from Mexico City, Mexico. They are called the Dresden Wolves and I am loving their noise. This track is called Run and that's exactly what I'm going to do now. That's it for this week. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.